0: You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck.
1: I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kinda lost track myself. But being this is a .44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk?
0: So before when I first suggested this movie that we're going to be talking about today Richard what was the first thought that came in your mind when I said we're going to watch Unpregnant I don't
1: know I was really confused I was like that's kind of a peculiar choice I was going to say that word but I'm I'm trying to remove it from from the overusage on the show uh I, I yeah I felt it was a peculiar title for a film. I obviously haven't heard anything about it. I didn't know I didn't know anything about it. But I guess my question to follow that question up would be like, what kind of made you pick this movie?
0: So uh like I, I I I'm hoping that with all the different movies that we're doing right now, uh from the streaming options that we can do different types of things. Like uh we're not just sticking to big blockbusters because one big blockbusters aren't happening right now. Uh but we're not just sticking to actions or comedies. you know, this is a little bit of a comedy drama uh definitely a subject that is important but also might not be geared towards you and I as a demographic in the first place. so definitely it, not. <laughs> we'd love to see what you know what the two of us thought and um I mean, we're definitely gonna get into it more, but I want to just say that i I really enjoyed this movie oh <laughs> uh,
1: okay good. Right. good sounds like we're gonna have something to talk about though uh, i mean probably not as much as you know say the tax collector but uh <laughs> but you know probably a little bit more than and if it was maybe something that we both just truthfully loved
0: you know okay that's fair. Yeah. Before we get into talking about unpregnant on HBO Max, though, uh, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of movie news. Well, technically I'm gonna start off with a little bit of TV news. I know this isn't usually we don't usually talk about TV shows here, but I really felt like this needed to be brought up.
1: Were you a fan of Dexter when it was on TV? Um I mean, I wasn't not a fan, but I mean, I also didn't watch it like religiously. I honestly don't even think I've seen all the episodes. I know, no. I know the story kind of. You know, I know the, I know the basic concept behind the story. I like Michael C. Hall and things like that, but uh, I was never like fanatically watching it.
0: So I was a big fan. I watched it. Fanatically, I guess is a good way of putting it. I am actually a person that does not think that the last season was bad. I didn't think the last season was bad, and I didn't think the finale was bad. Like a lot of people complain about that, saying that it didn't make any sense, and you know, it it I don't know. I don't I think they just it does a disservice to their memory of the character as opposed to the character. I honestly think it is the a great ending for the character. But Showtime has gone ahead and ordered a 10-episode revival season of Dexter. And I guess the showrunner has come out and said that it's not going to be so much a sequel or a continuation as more of it's going to be a redo of the finale,
1: which kind of hurts. Like, why would you go back and why would you even say something like that? Yeah, I don't. Um, mm, a ten episode to kind of re. Okay, so this kind of would feel like what I would imagine would happen if like HBO also brought back, or maybe didn't even bring back, but like went back and was like, we have to fix the ending to Game of Thrones because people hated it. I don't really know. I mean, at this point, it, it's been not only that. I guess my other my other thought is this: When did Dexter? When did the finale happen? Wasn't this like ten? 10, 15 years ago? Ooh, that's a very good question. I'm not sure when it happened. It it did happen a while ago, though, so... It feels like forever ago. And I don't <laughs> know, maybe that's my pandemic brain and my distortion of of, of time is in full effect here, but yeah, that, that seems like a lifetime ago that Dexter ended. I mean, it seems like a, a huge amount of time to then be like, okay, instead of doing any sort of continuation, not that Michael C. Hall... Um, has really aged I mean he obviously has Aged but I mean I don't think he's gonna visually Look massively Different like he still looks like the same person So I don't think that's necessarily gonna be a big issue But no. it does seem weird To be like well we don't want to continue The story we'd rather Go back and try to just take another Stab <laughs> uh, um. at, <laughs> at the Ending of, of the series that We did after all this time It's very strange
0: yeah so 2013 was when the finale happened so we're talking seven years it's going to start filming in 2021 that's eight years it's probably not gonna come out till 2022 nine years okay so i was a little off but again covid time
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly i mean there's still yeah seven years it, it still seems like a really long time to go back and try to alter course and 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 change what they did with the finale i i I just i don't don't know i i agree with you that feels weird i'm not really sure why or what the point would be at this at this Mm -hmm. point you know what i mean like
0: so here's the quote on tv line from uh showrunner clyde phillips it says he we want this to not be dexter season nine Uh, 10 years or however many years have passed by the time this will air and the show will reflect that time passage so far as the ending so far as the ending of the show this will will have no resemblance to how the original finale was it's a great opportunity to write a second finale like that was a lot of
1: run (laughs) around talk that doesn't really make any sense yeah why would you do a second finale that's I don't know if that person knows what the word finale means that's the whole (laughs) point of one
0: so i don't know if you watched the show uh corporate that was on comedy central i was a big fan of it but i haven't seen it the last season the last couple episodes was all about this big conglomerate corporation buying a tv show that's a lot like game of thrones and they the whole point of them buying it was one they were starting up their own streaming site or streaming platform like everybody's doing and they needed something to bring people to it so they were like oh we're gonna we're gonna buy this show with for a ridiculous amount of money that was super popular like game of thrones and we're gonna redo the ending we're gonna we're gonna do it so that it makes sense because nobody was happy with it and then they get a committee together to try and come up with a new ending and everybody has a different idea of what the ending should be. So that never happens. And that's kind of what I feel like here. Like it's like, "Oh, we're getting all this backlash and we've get we've gotten all this backlash for the last 7 years about Dexter not having a good ending. We're going to go back and we're going to do a different ending now." And I can only imagine like a whole bunch of people being trying to figure out using focus groups and and uh story by committee of how to correct the ending and it's just not going to come out well.
1: Yeah. I mean, collaboration with inside of, of filmmaking and television making is traditionally a good thing. Uh, but it's rarely, like you said, it's rarely a good thing when you get too many cooks in a kitchen. Right. And (laughs) you know, at this point you've also laid the series to rest seven years ago I just, I don't, it makes no sense to go dig this back up, trying to see how many like murder jokes I can fit in there. Um, (laughs) It doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't really seem to make sense to go back and dig this back up and, and, you know, really, I guess, try to correct the course that you already went with. Like that's, this is something that should have been done long before you aired that. If this is really what you felt was going to provide you with the best ending for the series, the other the other biggest thing that you have to take into account as well is that, A, you're always going to have, uh, I mean, maybe not always, but uh, the hope would be that you wouldn't always have it. But traditionally, when we look at, at human behavior currently at least, you're you're going to have people that are going to have a feeling of ownership and there's going to inevitably some toxicity that comes out of that, right? I don't know. Maybe the ending's horrible. You said you enjoyed it, though. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who also enjoyed it. But the point is, is whenever you end something uh, that was as big as as Dexter, as big as Game of Thrones, things that people have dedicated years of their lives to consuming, it's going to be a situation where we already know you can't make everyone happy. And it's completely insane to think that you could with anything. So, you know, you try to do what you feel is the best service to to the show for its ending but you know that is going to come with a price no matter what you do i mean there really is never going to be a way that you're going to wrap a show out that everyone's going to be happy or or fulfilled you know and so it seems really crazy to go back again with such a huge gap of time i mean i guess it could be mildly different if if they pulled the the original ending and and got rid of all that stuff and then immediately redid it maybe i don't know but but going back to the seven years just seems crazy. Like at that point, why not just start over? And, and that's nothing against anybody that was involved in the original series, but so much time has passed that I feel like you would be better off to just blank slate and start over, uh, hire a new Dexter, bring in new writers, like just remake the show as a new thing And totally do that, like what? I yeah, I I don't know. It just seems very strange to me to to take this approach.
0: Same. So we'll have to see what it is. I'll I'll more than likely be there to watch it when it comes out in 2022. But uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. So Ridley Scott has announced that he's going to be making a movie about Napoleon Bonaparte, and guess who it is that he's going to have play the character or play the act or play the historical character.
1: Uh ooh, um is it someone I mean obviously it's a bankable name so it is probably someone I should know, yep. right? Yep. Um Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott. Mm, I mean I, I don't want to necessarily go here because I don't think this would be the case, but it's not Kevin Spacey, is it? It is not Kevin Spacey. Okay, thank goodness. Um man, uh uh, I'm trying to think of who Ridley Scott cast frequently that also might be kind of short. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's not Michael Fassbender, right? It's not Michael Fassbender. So Ridley
0: Scott will team with Joaquin Phoenix for Kit Back. Oh. Uh Joaquin Phoenix will play the French military leader and Emperor Napoleon. The pick is set uh, at 20th Century Studios with, where Scott Free has its deal. So uh, he's finishing up the last duel, which is the I believe the movie with him, uh, him directing Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, and oh, what's the guy's name who played Kylo Ren? Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, he's finishing that up, and I guess he's going to play here. He's going. He wants to make a a Napoleon movie called Kit Kit Bag.
1: I don't okay. know what bag means, but. That's what it is. Yeah, I I don't either. Not really up to date on, uh, on my freaky deaky French. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I should. I mean, I feel like maybe I should have guessed Joaquin Phoenix. I think that's a a pretty awesome choice. I, like I mean, it would be like show. Gladiator, right? Where he played the yeah. emperor there. I think so. I mean, maybe slightly different, <laughs> but just, you know, a little bit maybe, right? How do you feel about this?
0: idea of a movie and also the casting
1: well okay first off i love really scott i think he's a brilliant brilliant filmmaker um you know again doesn't always make everyone happy but that's pretty normal Uh, yeah i don't know i'm in i'm in the cast sounds good um i can't say that i've ever been a really big fan of napoleon like that's not like that's the thing that's like oh yeah i gotta go watch this movie because it's about napoleon like, you know what I mean? Like, that just seems, like, uh, a little strange to me. But, yeah, no, I mean, if Ridley Scott's doing it and, you know, you've got a good cast, I'll at least uh, I'll at least give it a watch for sure. I mean, what about you? Like, I mean, are you – I don't even know. Are you, like, a – you're kind of, like, a mixed Ridley Scott fan, right? Like, you're more of, like, a Tony Scott fan than Ridley. I, mean, I, I
0: was a huge fan of Tony Scott. But, I mean, there are definitely some Ridley Scott movies that I really enjoy, so – Is there name one? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This could definitely go either way for me. Um, But here, here's the thing that I found on deadline. It says the film's title is derived from the saying, there is a general staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag. The film is an original and personal look at Napoleon's origins and his swift, ruthless climb to emperor viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. The intention of the film is to capture Napoleon's famous battles, relentless ambition, and astounding, tr- uh, astounding strategic mind as an extraordinary military leader and war visionary. So, uh, I don't know. I'm definitely thinking that this is going to be a big endeavor. It's gonna, it seems like it's going to uh, encompass a lot of Napoleon's life.
1: Well, and, and like, this has always been one of those things with Ridley Scott that I've kind of found to be, uh, intriguing is that, you know, he, I think to most people is kind of predominantly known for his future science fiction based films, you know, uh, but he has done a number of, of older, like period piece type of, of films, um, I just don't feel like that's traditionally what he's really known for, though. So um, I've always found that to be really interesting, is that he doesn't really seem to make films that are in, like, modern times. It's either way into the future or quite a ways back in the past. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And I guess, like, I would have to see, you know, what really kind of got him on board to make this particular film you know like is he a fan of of military strategy like is that you know what i mean because napoleon for the most part from what i recall granted i'll be the first one to admit not super you know up to date with my historical accuracies of napoleon but uh from what i recall not a very good dude uh so <laughs> you know, you do kind of walk an interesting line when you're whenever you're creating a like film that is based off of uh, a historical person, figure, or actual event, whatever you want to talk about with that. And you know, how you portray them is a pretty big deal, especially in in I would say today's culture and today's society, right? We're we're definitely kind of trying to move people away from being horrible people. And so I think you have to walk a very thin line with this because of course, whenever you're making a film, you do want to humanize and and have something within your protagonist for people to root for. So if you're taking someone who has kind of this background and known for, you know, not being particularly a great person and then you're maybe going to highlight a specific thing about them. It, it, I just, it, I just hope this isn't a slippery slope for Ridley Scott with today's society, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's fair.
0: Uh, I looking at his IMDb, there's, he definitely is all, I mean, a whole range of movies, but you're, you're right. There's a lot of the, period piece war movies and then there's a lot of the future movies but i mean you got things like black hawk down and body of lies and uh i mean the martian is is set in the future but that's one of my favorite movies so
1: yeah yeah no uh yeah i agree with you the martian for sure uh yeah i guess i I guess i should think that through a little bit more thoroughly he actually has done a lot of military-based films like regardless of what time period they're in so maybe he is like a big military strategist buff. Maybe that's what drew him to, you know, make a film about Napoleon. True. Hmm.
0: So because of COVID movie theaters are not doing well. And we talked about all that uh, in the past. Another strike to the movie theater uh, business, unfortunately is soul. Pixar soul is going to skip the movie theater. Disney is going to release it on its Disney plus platform Christmas day. I believe. Is it Christmas Day or just before Christmas Day? No, Thanks. Christmas Day. Tenet. <laughs> uh yeah, Tenet just was not the 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 theater saver, quote unquote, that everybody thought it was going to be and I don't really see how it could have been. I haven't seen it yet, but like it's it I don't know. Sometimes some of the trailer makes it look like it's it's this big shoot 'em up, you know, weird uh heist movie, but like honestly, if it's uh uh chris no it's going to be a finger like yep. interstellar or Inter- inception like it's you're going to be it, it's not going to be uh super fast paced i don't think but so it didn't it didn't do as well as it, they everybody wanted it to do in the theaters but uh i think the 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 more interesting thing is the fact that soul is not going to be part of the premium access of uh
1: vod that um mulan was for uh disney plus yeah um i mean to backtrack for just a second i i don't think it's tenant's fault to be to be very honest i said no, that as I a joke. Uh, i don't think it matters i you know i know i just wanted to clarify for everyone listening i don't want to get a bunch of like hey eh, you suck um <laughs> but <laughs> you know i i really don't think it would have mattered what what movie it was. I I just don't think people are ready to go back to the theater. And I think there's a lot of people that are in a situation where they just, they can't afford to go back to the theater if they wanted to. Uh, So I, I think it was really poor timing. I do want to point out, yes, this isn't going the route of Mulan, which I don't know. Do you feel like that's a little revealing? Do you feel like they tried this thing with Mulan? Didn't get the kind of, you know, Buy-in or feedback that they wanted with that and now they're taking a different approach or do you feel like this is a statement that Disney's saying well we don't believe in this ip as much as we believed in mulan like people aren't willing to drop $30 for this experience over mulan what do you think about that
0: I don't think that's the one because I mean I think at this point pixar is there is another one of their bankable uh franchises um, just like Star Wars or uh, Marvel. And their live-action like remakes are not. like. Honestly, I would say two-thirds of the ones people don't like. So uh, banking on Mulan, I, I don't think it was more that they were banking on Mulan. I think it was more like they didn't have the trust that that Mulan live-action was going to bring people to the streaming site. So it was more we're going to get money out of the people who already have the streaming platform, whereas Pixar's soul is we can get people to come and sign up for Disney Plus if we say that this will be available on Disney Plus as part of the service.
1: Well, I mean, I guess the interesting thing uh, for me, thinking about it too, is, you know, what was the production budget for Mulan versus Soul? I'm I'm speculating Mulan was probably 200, 225. Uh, Soul being Pixar, though, also being probably made over the course of maybe four years because it's animated, maybe three to four years, probably not too far off, probably 150, 175 mil maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so again, I don't think the overall production budget would be a reason like, you know, it, I think it, I could maybe make that argument more if, if Mulan was like a $400 million movie, like, you know, but if, if they are, and again, I'm guessing, but if they are within a relatively close proximity, uh, you very well could be right. It could be a, a thing that they were a little bit more worried about Mulan's, uh, you know, ability to get people to want to come on to a streaming platform or to consume it that way, you know? Um, but again, I just—it it is really fascinating that they took that approach with Mulan and then seemingly are changing course very rapidly after that. I would be very curious to know, which we will, obviously would never will know, but just from my my own personal kind of like mindset, I, I'd be very curious to know why they made that choice for Mulan but not Pixar's Soul, because it's like you said. I mean, I feel like this has the potential to be. A pretty extraordinary film but it's like what what is it specifically that you feel like it was a better route to do one thing for mulan than this like what changed or you know what information led them to that choice it's just kind of really intriguing to me
0: yeah that would be a great thing to know and maybe you know 10 20 years down the line when someone you know, gets a deep dive into the period that is known as the coronavirus era. Like, we <laughs> will, they will, they will dive into that with the movies and, and theaters and, and streaming platforms and what it was that people turned to in
1: this time. So, let me, let me ask you this then, real quick, because since we're on the topic, a couple of things, I guess. Um, do you feel that if, Again, there's some hypotheticals and we're going to play a little bit of a what if game. But do you feel like if Disney had done that with Mulan and it blew away their expectations in some capacity that they were like, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, we've got to start doing this with all of our new releases. And it became really successful to them. Do you think that this is something we might ever see a trend happening with like Netflix, Amazon, HBO, any of the other, you know, Apple, even since they're now a streaming conglomerate, which is kind of a little crazy to say in one capacity, but uh, it's true. Do do you think that's something that, you know, maybe we might start seeing more of, or do you think that this fail flat and this is kind of their uh, acknowledgement of that?
0: So I think when
1: we talked about Mulan uh, specifically,
0: we were like, yeah, for, for me, and, and uh, you know, my fiance going to see a movie, like, it's not going to be $30. So it didn't make any sense. But for a family, which is going to be at least three people at the most, you know, at the most, what, how many people, but, you know, more than likely four to five, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I just don't know if that was bankable, though. Mulan? Well, the idea of doing premium access, um, because as much as there are people that you know uh, are wanting to just stay in home and stuff like that, and or don't mind watching movies for the first time on their on their big screens with their great sound systems and stuff like that, there are still people that want to go to the theater and have that experience. So, honestly, what I think. Uh, the studios need to look into is seen as if how they can, once coronavirus is taken care of and under control, uh, if they can talk to the different theater production or theater uh, owners and see if there's a way that they can do both. If there's a day and date way of, you know, uh, dropping it for the people who want to stay home in their homes as well as going to the movie theater. Like, I, that's the only way that I can see it happening um because it, it will be a bunch of people out of business out of work if the movie theaters just don't exist anymore movies don't go to the theater anymore and that's i mean to a, uh, an economy that really doesn't produce anything anymore that's going to be a uh, a big uh, uh strike like it's going to it's going to hurt um i don't know i i just don't see a lot of people who are Netflix subscribers or uh Hulu subscribers or Amazon subscribers already because they're already pay- pay- paying a premium fee for those services to pay on top of that another $30 per movie if it's a big movie. See, I, I can kind of understand it because you're paying, what, $6.99 for Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. So, like, some people can be like, "Well, all right, I can, I can fork over the extra money, maybe." And that's only if you have a big family. But for a person that has Netflix, you're already paying what twelve ninety nine, if not more. I think it's more.
1: I think it's like sixteen or seventeen now. I don't think it's sixteen because I, I don't think I'd be paying sixteen bucks for it. But I maybe I'm wrong. I feel like it's gotten really expensive
0: though. I mean I hope that's not what I'm paying and I just not not paying attention.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I haven't looked at my statement for Netflix of ever just it it's there and uh it it draws out and I don't I mean I guess maybe I probably I think now I'm talking myself into a corner cuz now I'm like oh sh- maybe I should go check it. But I oh, do yeah, know. no plans range from 8.99 to 15.99 a month. Oh wow. Look at that. So okay. I don't know what plan I have, but now I'm a little weird. Uh, like, <laughs> am I still supposed to be getting stuff in the mail? Because if that's the case, uh, I am doing a horrible job of keeping I up think, with the, this. I think with the different ranges,
0: like, is whether or not it's just the one person using it, or if you oh. can use, have multiple people using it, or
1: multiple accounts. Not that's probably true. Something. I think I probably also pay for, like, the 4K uh, package, too. They, I think they probably have that. So yeah. also, okay, so on that, then... Sure. 30, a little steep, uh, right? Because again, I mean, that's more than what it traditionally had cost to, to purchase movies. Um, what if it was a little bit less? What if it was, you know, 10 to 15 bucks? Would you would you feel more inclined to do that on certain films, even though you were paying a subscription cost?
0: I don't know. Yeah, maybe. If it was like 10 bucks, 10 bucks a movie, I guess I could I could understand that. I guess the bigger problem is that whether it's not is it going to be a rental or is it going to be something I own? And obviously yeah. even if it's something that you own, like Mulan, like technically I own it, but as long as I have a subscription to Disney Plus. I don't have a physical copy. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand people were like physical copies. That doesn't make any sense. that's that's going out the window. You don't need to have physical copies anymore. Well, you know, not everybody has the luxury of living in a place where there's great internet service. Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes the internet here in my small town of Yuma, Arizona does not work all that great. And or I'm in a place where, you know, there's no cell towers. So if I have something that I can physically watch, it's great. It's it's much better. So it's, You're it's essentially doing like a long term lease. Yes, exactly. It's. As long as you have the service, you have the movie. But if you don't have the service, you no longer have the movie. I can't even like download it uh, to a separate thing. Like I can download it from Disney Plus, and as long as I still have Disney Plus, I can watch it where there's no cell service. But like if I don't have that account anymore, then I can't watch the movie.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just really, again, I don't know. We'll never know. I'm sure. But I mean, I, just the way my mind works, I'm so curious to know the the numbers behind what happened with that and, and kind of what their thoughts were, but, and kind of keeping with the same conversation a little bit. So obviously if you want a pretty good indicator, that movie theaters are not doing great right now. Have you seen AMC's theater rental prices? Uh, I
0: did not see AMC's, but I did see Harkins, which is you can rent from. It's like ninety nine dollars to one hundred and twenty nine dollars, yeah. and you you and twenty friends can
1: watch a movie in private. AMC is pretty much the same way. There's this like ninety nine to three hundred and fifty, depending upon what title you're choosing, but. Yeah, think about that. Ninety nine dollars to rent an entire like this used to be a dream of mine. Was to be yeah. able to like afford to rent a private theater to do a private screening, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I could do it, but I, I still don't want to go to the theater. I, I still don't think that that's necessarily the the smartest or safest option. But still, a hundred dollars to rent an entire theater is crazy. That is crazy, and but you also have to take into account like
0: what movie out there is there something that i want to watch like
1: oh no man i want to do old school ones no, like i, I want to do like gold like i want to do like fifth element like stuff that you can't see or maybe things you could like really old movies that you couldn't watch you know <sighs> i don't there's know just not like, that many new movies out right now though that you that i would w- want to go watch you know what i mean so great. like to me there's no better like I don't want to go to the movie theater and watch an old movie. Like
0: I'll, I'll do it on those, you know, classic Tuesday night classics or something like that, because it's the randomness and it's like, you know, seeing it with the, well, you know, this is definitely a pre COVID thought, but <laughs> seeing it with a crowd of people. Yeah. Right. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, I just, it doesn't appeal to me to go and watch an old movie by myself or with, you know, 10 of my closest friends in a movie theater. It just seems Weird. But hey, you know you you get that movie set up
1: when you feel safe and I will be there. <laughs> I, I would, I would, seriously, I would love to like find some of those movies that I just, you know, as a kid or whatever loved, but could have never seen them in the theater and like watch them. Like, I think that would be amazing. Um, as I say, it'd be funny if they had like a little additional add ons though, you know, where it's like for 10 extra dollars, we'll have someone stand like three seats ba- or like three rows back and like throw popcorn at you, or we'll set up a small speaker of people having a completely unnecessary conversation, like just to give you the full, you know, cinema 4D experience. Like, we'll come in before we'll clean the theater but we'll make like the spot below your chair just a little extra sticky so that like you get the experience that someone didn't do their job you know just like like, there's a whole business model here of giving you the nostalgic uh, experience of movie theaters that I think they're really missing out on.
0: Are they going to have the one person come in and just have their conversation on the cell phone too?
1: Of course yeah yeah and so that's like $15 more but it's yeah they can absolutely make that happen
0: so if Um, you
1: if you did have 20 people in the movie theater with
0: you and you split the hundred dollars up that way, what's that?
1: $5 a person. Is that right? If I knew math, man, I'd be working for NASA and not making movies. I I guess that's
0: not, I mean, if you get 20 people and you each pay five bucks and you can go watch in game again, I guess, you know, or, or Goonies or Ghostbusters or back to the future. I don't know. Whatever you wanted to watch. It'd be pretty. That that wouldn't be a bad deal.
1: Well, and like, how do you? Th- yeah, I mean, like, is there a menu? Is there like a cat? Like, could, is there a catalog of movies that we can see online that we can pick from? Like, how do we know what this is? Like, there's, I think, there's a lot of important questions to answer about this. Harkins and AMC, and yeah, maybe can I, other. I can have in my own DVD, like, could yeah. you play that, or does it have to be something that they have the rights to play? Mm, that's
0: mm, that's a good question i yeah i don't know uh, see these are all and things that i would like to know because if you rent out those theaters you can do whatever you want like you could have a meeting in there you can have you can play video games like that was their big seller before coronavirus you can you know do so if it's if you're renting out the room you're renting out the equipment you can put whatever dvd you want in there i assume as long as it's not something like x-rated or something like that
1: well but even then you're the only one in there I guess that's true. I mean, I, I don't know if you're I don't know if you'd be inviting 20 friends to, you know, watch Deep Throat or whatever. But I mean, maybe I don't know Like that went to theaters at one point. So I guess it's possible, right? Very possible. I don't know. I don't know. You get on that. You talk to Harkins and find <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I'm going to call him um so i I don't know i'm sure we need to move on at some point here probably quickly but the other so this is the other thing that's been like just marinating in my noodle if we will not to get too x-rated since we're coming off that but uh (laughs) marinating in my brain for those of you that don't know what that means the noodle talking about um obviously theaters are hurting yes okay um the people that are not hurting are basically uh Netflix, Amazon, Apple. Because Disney also mm, having some issues, uh, which makes sense because Disney owns like a ton of things. Like it, it totally makes sense to me why they're having some struggles and, and things like that. But what I've I've thought would would be, and again, I don't know that there's any business acumen to this or that this would actually make any sort of sense, but I find it would be kind of an intriguing scenario. What if Apple, Amazon, and Netflix basically went in and bought all of these theater chains. And we had this resurgence of way back in the day of when, like, Fox, MGM, and RKO basically owned all of the theaters and, and, like, had a monopoly on, like, making films and distributing films. I mean, do you think anything? Again, I don't necessarily think it's the smartest business decision, but, like, do you think that something like that could happen? And, like, if it did, what do you think the problem behind that would be? Or or the pros or cons? What do you think the good and bad would be?
0: I think, I mean, yes, they have been talking about that. That has been something that has been talked about a lot lately, um, because it seems like the studios are the only ones that can come in and help save the theaters. Uh, the studios, though, have, I, I yeah, I believe the studios have responded, um, saying, no, we don't want to do that. Like, streaming service is where it is. It's not brick and mortar theaters anymore because no one wants no one feels safe to go to that and that's upkeep and that's playing employees and stuff like that. However, if they were to do that, I I definitely think this would be a bad thing because once again, you're not going to have smaller movies have a, a venue to to play anywhere. Um you know people are only going to be able to see those movies wherever they go. And I mean yeah it would be it would be in their Best interest to play the bigger movies that are, you know, Marvel movies or Star Wars movies and stuff like that. But it doesn't make any sense to uh, keep out or to to bring in movies that are going to take away from their own numbers. So, mm-hmm. what are the pros and cons? I don't know. The uh, con, I mean, cons is obviously you know we don't want them to have monopoly. We don't want them to to dictate what it is we watch. However, we already do that with Netflix and hulu and amazon prime but we always have the option of going somewhere else to watch kind of thing but not not if they own the theaters
1: yeah again i don't think it's a good business move i just have been really fascinated by the ideas of that lately because i'm like sure if they buy it right now it's probably not great but i mean eventually like I my concern is is that we are watching the actual death of cinema in terms of theaters right now. Like we are literally watching this happen, and I you know I just don't know how long this goes on. At to, to what point these can come back, you know, or or if they ever can, you know. And and that's I guess kind of my concern. But yeah, I, I certainly don't think handing over a monopoly is good. It's not, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something that keeps coming into my mind lately, and I'm like, gosh, this is going to be absolutely insane to see how this plays out or where this goes or, you know, if there would be really any sort of benefit for them or someone to acquire these things. Because, like, I don't know, and this isn't necessarily meant to be a jab at Apple per se, but, like, I could almost kind of see Apple going for this. You know what I mean? Like, I could almost see them being like, we're reinventing all of theaters, you know, and like, and then being like, we made movies. Like we, we did this, like cinema didn't exist before Apple. And, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like I could just kind of see that happening and, you know, at least Apple and Amazon have a, like, I mean, basically they're printing money at this point and, and neither one of them, I, I don't think will, will probably ever be hurting in, in, our lifetimes are probably the next five generations if I had to guess because they're sitting on massive amounts of cash stockpiles but I just don't know if there's some weird eccentric billionaire out there that's like I love movies and I'm gonna save the industry by buying them all and then making it you know totally monopolized I don't know it just it's both on one hand incredibly inspiring that uh, there's a chance that cinema might not die off from this but then on the other hand it's incredible terribly frightening to think w- what the price of that could be you know honestly what
0: I think is I think is going to happen is that Apple will be the ones to come out with the ice screen <laughs> where it's all virtual movie theater and you pay, you pay a ticket you sit in your, your couch but you put on your your headset and your, your phones or your headphones or whatever and you it's like you're inside of a movie theater and people will praise it be like oh they're so invaded inv- innovative and came up with this whole virtual theater thing and then the rest of us will be like oh yeah but xbox was doing that a long time ago right it never took off because but is that, of the
1: is, reason is that an experience that you you think you would
0: even want though like I don't think it will be something I want, but I think it will be something that the maybe the next generation will want like it, it, the way that people adapt to the new thing will be that will be the thing and that will it will have somewhat of that experience of watching a movie with a, another person and but you know you don't have to go be next to that other person
1: yeah i mean that's that's fair i mean if amazon buys them uh we know what's going to happen you're going to be in the middle of a movie and then and advertisements you know like 30 minutes of advertisements are just going to start rolling in the middle of the movie and then
0: unless you you pay for the you know the upgraded version that doesn't have the advertisements,
1: right yeah you got to buy theater turbo or or you can't watch the full movie and then for no reason at all they'll just have random people walk in and start removing people from the theater and banning them for life um (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's just really fun, and then I don't know. I don't know what Netflix. I don't have a jab for Netflix. Like, I, I really don't know what they would do. Like, uh, slowly well, have- increase the price, uh, they- mail theaters to you at first, and then try to make it go. <laughs> online. I don't know. I don't really have a good one for that. I should have thought that through a little better. They
0: will. They will definitely slowly increase the price. I think it is funny that uh, Netflix hasn't changed up their uh, business model at all during pandemic because, like everybody else is starting to do the we release one episode a, a week stuff. Mm-hmm. But Netflix is still like, nah, we're just gonna release it all at once and you can binge it whatever you want, which is good and bad. Like I love the fact that I can binge it if I want to, but I also love the fact that if I want to go watch two episodes here and then wait a couple of days, watch another two episodes, is is that's up to me. That's my own pace. The only problem is is that you might end up seeing spoilers kind of thing. Like, because people will talk about it because they are watching it at their own pace, and if they liked it more, they'll they'll binge the whole thing. And that's you can't obviously you can't fault them for that. They watched a the thing, they want to talk about it. So it it's both good and bad. Whereas, you know, like if you watch if you're watching uh, uh the boys, yeah, which was on Amazon, that was re- being released week to week, so everybody's on the same level, like at the same stage of watching it, and they all have to talk about the same thing at the same time. I don't know. Like, it, I just find it interesting that Netflix has not changed up their that model yet, and and done a week by week release. I think I think there are a couple things that they're doing week by week by week release, but I think that's more of a they're recording it week to week. That's why.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that that would make sense. And I mean, it, it kind of does make you curious as to like, if they have this stockpile of content that they have purchased that they're like, well, if things get bad, we'll just start throwing all this stuff out there. Because, yeah, production in, in, in general has slowed down pretty, pretty substantially and is still having a lot of uh, rocky experiences where you know, productions are coming back online and then immediately going back offline because there's, you know, a small cluster of COVID outbreaks and then the sets have to shut back down. So, I mean, there's been a, a lot of, you know, kind of um, ups and downs in, in terms of, like, actually moving forward production. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe they have a huge vault of of random IP that they have purchased that they're just sitting on that they're like, yeah, we don't care. We We've got enough to sustain us for the next five years yeah i mean that seems insane I it doesn't seem like that would be the case but i mean you're absolutely right it's fascinating that everyone else is like yeah we got to slow this binge monster down a little bit and netflix is like no we're gonna we're gonna double down and uh we're gonna go crazy and then we're gonna offer adam sandler even more money to make more <laughs> movies uh for us and I,
0: honestly, I honestly feel like you're probably we're probably gonna end up getting to see more animated stuff like i feel like you know, people doing voice work in their own separate, you know, booths and stuff like that it works out well for COVID. And mm-hmm. animators are by themselves, so it it just you know you do your part and you pass it on. You you email it to the next person, like kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. I think animated things are going to be more prevalent uh, coming out of this. Um, it's just yeah, it's just the the way things are now. Uh, okay, yeah. talking about this, my last story I wanted to talk about. I just want to get into it, too. And it, we don't talk about it a lot. It's just more of the same. Passing up movie theaters, once again, is uh, Coming to America 2, the sequel to Coming to America. Uh, Amazon Studios purchased it for what is being reported as roughly $125 million, And it will come out on Amazon Prime December 18th. So, uh you know once again this is a movie that would have definitely went to the movie theaters like a sequel to a widely popular and uh you know highly remembered movie from the 80s with a huge star and you know it's it's whether or not it's good or not people are going to watch it cuz they remember that first movie
1: yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that there is a sequel to this at all, uh, again, kind of very, uh, strange. I mean, I guess it's not as strange as it was a couple of years ago, because again, this is a, a monumental trend we're seeing in the industry of, of, the fact that people are, are going back and revitalizing and, and, you know, redoing or, or branching and continuing these old franchises and, and intellectual properties, um, yeah, I mean str- I I the streaming service is just uh apparently where it is at right now for film. I don't there's not a really strong way to get away from it or you know to argue against it. Like it is it is what it is. I, I you know, I'm still curious as to how they kind of are quantifying, you know, making that money back or or if it's successful at all, you know. Um I guess yeah, it's do, just pure numbers of viewership, you know.
0: Like you can sit there and talk about how many people actually have a Disney Plus account. Like, it, it, are you really bringing more people in for subscriptions? But who at this point doesn't have a Amazon Prime account? Like, even if you—I mean, the only people that don't are probably the people that just don't agree with Amazon Prime as a or Amazon as a uh, company, you know, yeah, a thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That seems. They bought, they they bought it. Hopefully, it brings them more subscriptions. I'm 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 guessing is the belief, but I, I just were you a big coming to America fan? Are you looking forward to the sequel?
1: Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I really enjoy uh, Eddie Murphy, and uh, I, I'm I remember the first one uh, pretty well, and and I think my biggest question is, I mean, Eddie Murphy as a comedian. Uh, especially, kind of early on in his career, was uh, not what I would call extremely politically correct. Um, well, I mean, yeah, not not politically correct into the
0: you know standards that we hold people to today. But which, that's where I'm going. Yeah, we, we want that. We want people to to be respectful of others' lifestyles
1: and and decisions. But but that's my thing. Like, I do wonder how much this will change what that movie is. You know what I mean? And not not that it's necessarily for better or for worse, but whenever you have these things, uh, especially where you're taking kind of these movies from like the 70s and the 80s, I mean, you even go back and watch movies from the 70s and 80s, and you're like, whoo, wow. Like, I mean, even going back, not even that far. I mean, you even go back to like, you know, 2010 and, and maybe a little bit before that, and there's still times where like, yeah that really wouldn't uh, probably fly or get made today. Uh, So, you know, I do kind of have some, I guess, questions about what they're going to actually do with this movie. You know, is it going to be a little bit more like relaxed? Because the first one was like R-rated, I feel like. Um, Or if it wasn't, I feel like maybe it was pretty close to being R-rated. And, you know, obviously Eddie Murphy as, as, you know, evolved and changed a little bit since then, or maybe a lot, you know, I don't know him personally, but people traditionally do kind of evolve. And it seems like he's done a lot like tamer things, you know, more recently. Uh, so yeah, I'm just really curious as to how this might change the kind of humor dichotomy that existed within, you know, the first movie, And where that might kind of force them to take the story and the characters and how that might change what this movie originally kind of was when it was conceptualized. You know, I don't know when they started thinking about making this, but um, yeah, I I, I think I would definitely watch it, though. I still like Eddie Murphy a a lot, and um, I, I would have to say I'm very curious. I'm curious to where you even take the story after the first movie and after such a long period of time has actually passed uh, between the first film and, and the second one. So, yes, color me interested and intrigued, um, but I am curious to see what the contrast between the two films might actually be. You know what I mean?
0: And the thing that to me that I'm super happy about with this movie is that it's a continuation of the story. It is a sequel as opposed to a reboot remake. Like as much as I'll go and watch the the reboots and remakes, you know, I prefer it when we, we continue the story that existed already. So uh, I am super happy about that. All right, let's get into Unpregnant from HBO Max. Like uh, this is a movie that, honestly, I had no idea about, I had heard a couple, a couple of reviews and, and, and the fact that it, people were talking about how it is such a original movie and, uh, idea. And I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, it, this is a road trip movie, uh, for lack of a better genre, uh, about two young women, uh, a girl from who's 17 in Missouri who uh finds out that she's pregnant um and her it does not she does not want to keep the 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 baby so unfortunately in Missouri she cannot have the procedure done the abortion done without her parents consent but you can have that done in in New Mexico so she uh she and her one-time childhood friend, who is estranged now, they are not uh, friends in high school, get into a car and take off across country, and shenanigans ensue.
1: As they as they often do and should in a uh, road trip film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which thing- you,
1: you're right. I would say it is like a. I would say it's like a a mix of like coming of age and road trip type thing.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Uh, you, de- you definitely get this coming to be story between the two of them. You know, one of them uh, really has to figure out what it is that means the most to her. And the other one kind of has to understand that life is going to look different from there on out. And there is definitely two different storylines happening here. Like the, the character of Bailey uh is very much having to come to terms with the fact that well spoilers her father just did not want to be her father and when he left he left because he just did not want to be a dad that's not that wasn't in his cards it wasn't a thing that he wanted so he left uh her mother and her and moved across the country to new mexico and uh she meets up with him to to get this bomb dropped on her that, you know, I just didn't want to be your dad anymore. Whereas uh, the character of Veronica, am I right? Yeah. Those are the two characters, mm-hmm. um, you know, knows what it is that she wants. She is a hardworking student is going to an Ivy league school uh, plans on uh, being successful in that way. And at this point in her life, a baby is just not what, is going to be best for her, and uh, because her boyfriend at the time didn't tell her that the condom had broke and she could have used an, a morning after pill, like she now is pregnant and needs to get an abortion done.
1: Yep, I mean, that's the movie. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I just. I could not get into these characters. And again, you you pointed it out very very clearly from the the beginning of this podcast episode that, you know, we are well, I don't think probably is the the word, but I would say I am definitely not the target audience for this film. Which is okay. Um I don't think it's inherently a bad film or anything like that. I just I don't know. I just had no investment in any of the characters. Like I I didn't really find anything where I was like, personally like for or against anything they were doing. I was like, okay, like we're going to go on this road trip and these things are gonna, I mean like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, they were friends, they parted ways. They, they, you know, she has to kind of come back to Bailey because she has no other choice. She doesn't have anybody to, you know, uh, take her to New Mexico or any of these things. And so it kind of like forces this, you know, interaction between the two of the characters, but, and there's just, again, it's not that it's a bad thing, but there's obviously a tremendous amount of predictability. Like, you know, we can tell that this is most likely going to be the issue with her dad when she meets him. Um, You know, the car when they first show it, you're like, okay, well, clearly that's not her car. (laughs) Um, So, you know, again, those are all me problems. They're not really movie problems, per se. I think, you know, if you're someone that's that's watching this and and you have a good time with it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, There's a lot of of comedic set pieces and comedic elements to the movie. Uh, I, they just didn't really land very well for me. I, I just was not invested really in any of the characters. Um, but again, I don't have to be, I don't think that's, I'm, I'm not really the viewer that they're targeting with this movie. And I know for you, and, and again, I don't know, you can correct me on this, but I know like for you, like road trip movies are always like a, a good thing. Like you love road trip movies um, so I think, you know, that already gives a little bit of pre-built buy in for you because you just love that as a genre. Is that like a fair assessment or am I just talking out of my my second mouth?
0: <laughs> no, I think that is a fair assessment. I I do. I do enjoy a good, a good road trip movie. Uh, one of the things that, that you did say, though, that I, I felt is a disservice to the movie is the predictability. Like there are definitely predictable parts like. They come across uh, Brecken Meyer and Sugarland Beards characters of you know uh, anti-abortion pro-life uh, activists that essentially stop the character of Veronica from going to her appointment by essentially running her down off the road. And uh, though it's it's set up for comedic, uh, you know, play, it's it's definitely a predictable obstacle for them however I think the unpredictability comes in the end when you have the character of Bailey meet up with her father in any other movie the two of them would have this heartfelt talk where you know they both break down and cry and she forgives him kind of thing but in this that doesn't happen it's he straight up just says I don't want to be a father I didn't want to be your father so she just has to leave and be content with that answer which is not the usual Hollywood answer you would get as well as the character of Veronica, I feel like in most movies like this, where it deals with people having to go get an abortion, um, by the time you get to the abortion clinic, the female character usually picks, oh, okay, well, I went through all this to get here. I'm not going to have the procedure done. I'm going to raise this baby, or I'm going to have the baby go out for adoption kind of thing. Like It is very much a... Pro life spin on these movies usually when the, when the, when it happens, but this movie has her go through with the procedure, and not only that, I thought it was a very refreshing take at the end where it's very clinical. Like it show it, it 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 they filmed the whole part where the doctor is talking to her in the in the room, telling her what to expect. You know everything that's going to happen. They show, I mean, they don't show show the procedure, but they show her going through the the whole thing and. You know, at the end, she's not devastated. She's not, you know, crying in a in a shower. Like it's it's all what was you know going to happen. It's all in her plan, and and she's still, you know, she's or she is herself in the end, kind of thing. Like it's not, it's not a a, a it it's not a it, it broke her kind of procedure.
1: Yeah, and you know. I don't know for me I did see the whole thing with the dad going that way like I didn't feel for a moment that there was going to be I don't know the film just never gave me that that there were there was going to be this moment of like rekindling or or whatever like I I genuinely felt like that is how that was going to play out um yeah I mean that stuff and again I don't think that that's you know, I'm not trying to say that in in a way that is disservicing the movie, because, you know, for me, I, I, I'm i fully acknowledging that I am the, the problem with me enjoying this movie. Right. Is because, again, for me, those are just things that I just didn't get super invested in. But you're right. I think it is uh, a bit refreshing that they didn't, you know, kind of, quote unquote, play it traditional or play it safe by just having her go through all this and be like, oh, well. I'm just not going to do it now. And then, you know, on top of it, there's the moment between her and her mom at the end, you know, where her mom's like, look, I will probably never agree with the choice that you made and I'm probably not going to understand it, but I am always going to, like, love you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll we'll have to work through our differences and, and this won't tear us apart. Like, And that's really refreshing, too, because, you know, the whole premise behind why she's going on this road trip uh, is to hide this from her parents. And it's one of those things where, you know, you get to that moment and you're like, oh, well, I mean, she probably didn't actually have to go through all of that. Like, if she would have actually went to her mom and had the conversation, you know, her mom probably would have let her do what was right for her and let her make the choice, you know what I mean? Like, it seemed that way at least. Uh, but again, then you wouldn't have a movie. So, you know, obviously <laughs> that needs to happen for the story to move forward and that's not a a problem i mean there's things like that in every movie right like um so yeah i don't think any of that thing's problematic i just for me i wonder if there was different casting choices if it would have made a difference for me like um I don't really. I know the 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 Bailey character is in Euphoria, and she does a great job in that. And it's, I, I'm not saying that they did a bad job in the acting. And I don't think either one of them did a bad job. I, it's just for me, there was there was just nothing for me to really connect or get behind these characters. Like I, I don't have any problems with their motivations. I I don't have any problems with their choices. Uh, the whole pro lifer thing was probably the creepiest moment. Like when that dude comes busting out of the thing in the RV with like the giant baby, like face thing on the front of that RV, like that is monumentally disturbing. <laughs> um, and, and that's, that was probably the only moment where I was like, Oh wow. Okay. This just got weird and, and crazy. And, you know, now I'm, I'm feeling something, uh, you know, uh, but even then like that whole sequence plays out and then they start running off into nowhere. And I'm like, where the f- are you going to go? like I mean like that dude obviously was walking to that car you're gonna tell me that guy's not gonna walk down look in that car and then see that they're totally not in the car and then get back in his rv or walk back up to it and literally look around where there is nothing for them to hide behind and then be like they're right there I mean like they were mocking walking for like probably miles like there's you know they, i don't know and again that's super nitpicky and in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't matter but yeah. I, I do think there is a smarter play or something they could have done to make that a little bit better um but again that is that is that is ultra 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 nitpicky <laughs> and you know i think really if if you're into you know coming of age type of films uh, if you know these actors from kind of anything and you and you like their performances and those things, I don't think you're going to be disappointed with any of that. Uh, or if you're someone who's genuinely just a fan of, like, road trip movies, I, I, I don't think, you know, you're going to have a hard time watching this movie because I think it does... Kind of tick all of those boxes that you would anticipate from kind of a coming of age story, a road trip movie, uh, you know, a rekindling of friendship type of movie. Um, I think it hits all of those things. And at the same time, like you said, I do agree with you. I think there are little things that they did to kind of add their own voice and their own, uh, you know, kind of interpretation and flair to those genres. Um it, I just, I'm not the audience for this movie and that's okay. So, yeah, no, that, I mean, that, yeah, that's
0: exactly right. That is okay. Um, I wanted to talk about the, the casting cause you brought yeah. it up. You yeah. like, like I brought up earlier, you had Breckenmeyer and Sugarland Beard as the, as a cameos or small roles as the pro-life couple. You have Mary McCormick playing, uh, Veronica's mother, uh, who you brought up earlier. And I think Mary McCormick is great in everything she does. So I was glad to see her in this. And then just out of the blue, Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, I mean him coming in to play Mitch, not Mitch, Bob. <laughs> right. Right. Great. So uh, he definitely seemed like his whole part was probably filmed in a day, maybe two days. Cause it wasn't a lot. It's, it's truly a cameo. But his little you know uh heart to heart talk to the, to characters and in, in in speeches of of uh motivation were, were just great even in his strange conspiracy theory uh character attitude so uh, I loved the, the fact that you had all those now speaking of uh Barbie Ferreira, I believe is how you say, who played Bailey. I've never seen Euphoria, so I'd I'd never seen her before as an actress. Uh, But Haley Lou Richardson, I had just watched uh, Five Feet Apart the year before. Um, So I was familiar with her. Uh, I've seen her in uh, Split. I remember from that, in The Edge of Seventeen. But other than that, I really don't know much of her work. So uh, I thought this was a great little... great leading role for her to play
1: yeah i i mean i I, again i don't think that they did bad um i i would certainly watch other films with them in them um I j I, i don't know i i just i was not I just didn't really buy into the characters, I guess, which I guess it does sound like I didn't like the acting, but I don't think it's the acting that is causing that. I think it's just the story itself. Like I don't think there for me was enough of really the setup between the two of them. Like there wasn't really any reason for me to believe that they would be at odds, right? Like, and there wasn't really, you know, there was these little moments that, They kind of had, you know, a wedge between them or whatever, but uh, it didn't really feel that way either, though. You know what I mean? Like, it just seemed like everything was back to normal very quickly. It felt more like friends who hadn't seen each other in a a really long time and then picked up where they left off versus these were people that were extremely close. They had this mega falling out. And then this whole thing is them rekindling and and refixing those issues. I I just didn't feel like that element, which is, to be fair, I think a very large uh, element of this film, or at least it should be. uh, I don't think for me the the delivery or the attempt at that was was strong enough.
0: See, and I feel like that's, to me, that was a little bit more refreshing because it's a little bit more true to life. And the fact that you don't usually have these big blow them up into relationship uh, fights with your friends it's more of a well this was my friend and we just kind of grew apart because things became different like and then when you get back together yeah you have all those memories you talk about and you kind of rekindle a relationship like to me that's I kind of enjoyed that part but I get what you're saying
1: no and and uh, yeah uh, again I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, <laughs> either interpretation of this um, it's not like I said, it's not the tax collector, which I was very polarized on. <laughs> um I I I think there's a lot of things here that you know it, and I don't I don't think Rachel Lee Gold uh is a Goldenberg? Goldenberg is yeah. I don't think she's that new of a of a director or, uh in terms of her career. I think she has been around for a good little while. Uh, but even with that being said, there was choices and things that just, to me, felt like they didn't go big enough. Because you're right, yes, it, it, traditionally in, in most people's lives, they grow apart and don't necessarily have these mega blowouts. But you are creating a dramatization of life like film is not meant to be just real life Mm -hmm. and if if it was then more people would get into it and more people would be better at writing um because quite frankly you know that is how we are kind of traditionally told and and expected to write is like well write what you know write your experiences and why you do have to hopefully take inspiration from those things there is this expectation that you're going to hopefully deliver something larger than life. Um, For me, uh, at least, you know, and, and I just feel like this felt more of like a, a filmmaker who is still relatively in the earlier stages uh, of their career and maybe hasn't had, uh, as much time to really perfect and, and I hate using the word perfect because I don't believe filmmaking should ever be con I don't believe any art should be constituted as perfecting. It should always be attempts uh, the same way that, you know, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago, like lawyers and, and doctors are always practicing law and medicine. I think in filmmaking, we should view it that way too, or any artistic endeavor. We should, we should not be striving for perfection because it's, it's not real. It doesn't exist. You can't ever have that. Um, I just feel like for me, a lot of these attempts felt like someone who's still finding their 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 voice and their skill set and and learning how to leverage those and increase the compelling nature of those elements, for me, at least. So, yeah, speaking of Rachel Lee Goldenberg's career, she's done a lot of shorts
0: and done a lot of television, um, Z Nation mini project. Uh, Angie Tribeca, Man Seeking Woman and one of my favorite shows that I don't think a lot of people know about, I'm Sorry, she did the pilot for Hmm. Uh, she also directed, right before this um, the Valley Girl remake for made for TV movie Um, I I didn't watch it myself I don't think I ever watched the original Valley Girl so I don't really have much to say on either one but the fact that uh, she's built quite the career for herself so far oh and the fact that i forgot she did she did direct the lifetime movie a deadly adoption which is the <laughs> wolf ferrell, Will ferrell isn't it movie that was you know made for lifetime which kind of just blew everybody away the fact that the two of these these two relatively huge stars would make this movie uh on lifetime and it's it's a complete farce parody satire or whatever you want to call it it's a it's a it's a saturday night live sketch drawn out into two hours kind of thing is is just hilarious so i'm looking forward to more things that rachel lee goldenberg does uh as a director like as as the direction of the film was there anything that particularly stuck out to you in this movie, well, this,
1: the, this a, yeah. So since we are talking about this, and and, and now that you're you're mentioning all these things, I, I, this does kind of make a little bit more sense to me as well, right? Is this is always a struggle in in, in terms of doing a comedic film um, because the reality is is that when you do an action movie, it basically just has to be amazing. Like I mean, like you basically just have to have crazy action and not be super realistic. And it's fine for mm-hmm. the most part. Right. Yep. And it, and you can sprinkle in a little bit of story, but I mean, realistically you could almost make an, an, an action like, like a porn is made in a sense that no one really cares what happens to the pizza guy or the plumber. Right. Like you look at like, I don't know, a lot of action movies don't necessarily have deep, meaningful themes and plot and narrative. And those are, that's okay. And it can still be successful. Right. You look at like drama and, when you create like a drama, there's innately some connective tissue that people are always going to probably identify with if it's done well. Right. Because again, those are all things that people can kind of relate to like sad moments, deaths. uh, You know, there's certain things that every human kind of experiences that will have a a very similar experience. You can placate to that very heavily, right? Even horror to an extent, like, most people have a general frightening experience with a lot of certain things, right? So there's, there's almost like a built-in safety net for, for kind of every other genre. And that's not to take anything away from those genres and say that they're easier to make a great film or a good film. But when you get to comedy, I, I personally believe that comedy is probably the absolute hardest genre to work in because everyone's humor is monumentally different. Yep, massively different. Um and there are very few things from a comedy standpoint that you can leverage that is somewhat universal, right? And so I guess in looking at this and understanding that um the director uh Rachel Lee Goldenberg is more of a comedic filmmaker. And that's kind of, I would say based on her, her credits that you just read her wheelhouse, um, which maybe it's not because a lot of times there's great comedic people that go into drama and, and just, you know, they understand timing and they get into comedy because they've come from a place of hurt and and that's a safety you know mechanism for a lot of them uh it's just not to say that they can't i mean i i genuinely believe a lot of truly great dramatic actors come from a comedic background because of those things but again when you when you talk about something like this it makes a little bit more sense as to why it probably didn't really land with me but then it does land uh, like at least marginally better with you because it's potentially closer to the humor that maybe you enjoy right mm-hmm. and so I think that is something to uniquely identify about comedy because I really do think it is the hardest genre to do and and I don't think there's a very like middle ground for comedy like I don't think most people are going to watch a comedy movie and be like eh, you know it was pretty well balanced like most people are going to watch a comedy movie and it's going to be like it either lands or it doesn't because again, there's not this r- strong gray zone for your humor factor. And so I do think that is a very important thing to point out about this. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, and yeah.
0: Comedy is either you're all in or you're all out. It's, 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 it's the way, the reason why, you know, it's very hard for people to get up on stage and make other people laugh. It's, you never know what it is. that's going to make other people laugh. Uh, it, it action the good guy winning is always going to work for everybody kind of thing. Yeah. All right, Richard, uh, another movie down. Can't wait to see what we talk about next week. Uh, where can people find you online?
1: Oh, you can find me on a uh, Twitter at uh, right. R I C O W N. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash And then a number one at the end. Um, but yeah, where can people find you, Mitch? If you'd like to talk to me about this
0: movie or anything else that we talked about today, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at MitchipediaGEM. G-E-M stands for Geekly Media. The rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, com. Check out our Patreon page. We have lots of bonus material that you can only get if you're one of our patrons. It is definitely worth it. Uh, also, whatever podcast you're using to listen to us, please rate and review us so that it helps uh, spread the word of our network so other people can enjoy. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.